0: I need Kleenexes. <laughs> I need an anchorage. And he got through and he walked out of the service and he patted me on the shoulder and he said, go pray. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking, man? I'm sorry. We There's times, do you, you ever not think? There's times I should put me down to read. I didn't know I was preaching on that, really. Uh, thank you. And uh, that's hard. It's a hard thing to do. The Lord's kept us till this hour. And he laughs. He said so. He said, those that'll come, they'll mock him and they'll think they got it right way. They think they know. And he said, I'll laugh in their derision. I'll laugh at them. And uh, there's times I think it can't get no lower. I mean, they, and it's like a movie with the surprise. It gets lower. <laughs> and there's times I think it can't get no better. We don't know what's in store words can't describe brother fred was talking the other day fred Evans. he said you know there's always it's uh, in revelation when the glory is described it's in the negative we we keep you read what it ain't there ain't sin there, there there's not tears there there's no more of this no because we don't know what, this, what it's like to not have that we can only word it in our language to say this is what it ain't what a day that'll be and there's times it gets slow. So I, I laugh. It <laughs> makes me. That's probably I don't know. I, a lot of times, if I'm laughing and crying at the same time, I'm either gonna give up or fist fight. It's gonna be one of the two, I guess. But anyway, Psalm 36. Psalm 36. I think it's very interesting what the Lord's words are, and it's part of. I tell you boys, right? That's raised in my house, and I tell you other boys, it's good, good advice. Uh, men do things. It don't matter what your feelings are. Uh, You got something to do, do it. People don't like it, so what? You got something to do. You know what right is, do it. It's hard. It don't matter, do it. I'm tired, it don't matter, do it. (laughs) You're a man. Act like it. Quit you like a man is what the scripture says, isn't it? The Lord told Peter, he said, you love me? denying him, we looked at that Wednesday didn't we? I don't know that man get out of here little girl leave me alone, and then two men come to him you know, I know, you know him Where is side? leave me alone, I don't know him, and then the cock crew oh, and the Lord looked at him you ever felt them eyes on you? the Lord looked at him, later on he said, Peter, you love me? he said, Lord, I, you know I love you Lord, Peter, you love me? Or do you know I love you? you love me? He said, you know all things. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Does it matter what if Peter got tired? Don't matter if Peter's tired. He said, feed my sheep. What if Peter had the flu? Well, it don't matter if you got the flu. He said, feed my sheep. Well, if you don't want to. What if it's raining? Should we wait till it quits raining? He said, feed my sheep. <laughs> what if I can't? He didn't say if you could or not, he said, do it. <laughs> Go feed sheep. I pray, Lord, let me feed sheep. Make me feed sheep. David penned this letter, this psalm. Psalm 36. I titled it Excellent Faithfulness. David penned this, but this is our Lord speaking. It's a messianic psalm, because they all are. Do You understand all that? Nope, me neither, but they are. God's speaking. And he tells us over the course of four verses about the wicked. If this is how the Lord describes wickedness, then that's what wickedness is. I tried to think of a plainer way to say that. If he says this is what wickedness is, then this is what wickedness is. Look first at who's speaking, though. And this is the spirit of which David's speaking That It says in the heading there, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. He doesn't say King David, did he? He said he's a servant. That's more important. Solomon said that, wasn't it? Is Was he king? He said, I'm a preacher. <laughs> that mighty apostle Paul. He said, I'm the apostle. Apostle Paul. Paul coming of an apostle, right? He said, I'm Paul. He goes, I'm a bond servant of Christ. I'm a willing bond slave." Now, I happen to be an apostle, so I'm going to tell you something. He was a servant of the Lord. Everyone is a servant. Everybody. But we're either a servant of self, we're either a servant of darkness, of wickedness, of your father to the devil, or we're servants of the Lord. Now, in an essence, they all serve the Lord. They all accomplish his purpose. There's evil in the city. Has he not performed this? It'll glorify Him. If it's going to go further than glorifying Him, He's going to stop it. So the Lord's sovereign over all things, but us, are you and us? Are you alive in this body? We're either going to be servants of ourselves of darkness or we're going to be servants of light. One of the two. If we view ourselves as the servant of the Lord, the bond slave of the Lord, if that's truly not just this is something on a piece of paper and we, we agree with that, if that's been revealed in our hearts, if our ear, if we've been given eyes to see and ears to hear. He asked them; they was praying, and said, "What you want? That's <laughs> all I, I want to see. Show me these things, Lord." If He's pierced your ear, it out, and you're His servant. It'll impact everything you think and do. Twenty-four-seven. I'm telling you, He's right know it if you have a given occupation if you work in this world and you go to work you're their servant for that work day right you clock in you clock out forever you got to do what uh, uh, when you handle those liquid assets you gotta you're their servant from nine to five whatever it is but then you clock out and you go home and you you don't think about that you do something else you do what you want if we're the lord's we're his all the time Don't feel like it sometimes. I got this old man with me. But if I'm his, I'm his forever. I'm his forever. I hope I can remember that more often. I need to remember I'm his servant in this building. I'm his servant. And Paul knew it. I know it. I'm his servant in this building. And I'm his servant at my house. And if I ain't his servant at that house, it's a sham what I do here. If I don't believe God... and and, and know him in my home, what I do here's a sham. We all agree, right? If I'm his his, if I'm his servant, I'm his servant at Costco. If I'm his servant, I'm his servant at work. I'm his servant while I pump gas. I'm his servant at the bank. I'm his servant at, at a red light. You trying to hurry to get there, and then you get the red light, and that person you passed—you've been hurt so much. They're doing—they keep catching you at the red light. I think like you said that the other day. Ah, oh, get so frustrated, no patience. I'm his servant at that time. I need to remember that. I need my pure mind stirred up. I'm his child. I'm his child, and like my children, nobody ever told you you're a direct reflection of me and your mother. When you go out into this city, you cut in this town. Uh, remember who you are and whose you are. Right not clays, mine, (laughs) you're mine, right? We understand that. Well, if we're the Lord's, when we go out into this city and we go pay our power bill, we do whatever we do. You remember whose you are, who you are and whose you are. We let stuff roll off your tongue. My speech, my attitude, my work ethic, how I support the gospel is a direct reflection on my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray it so. Paul said that, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I have to be made. I won't do it. Paul told Timothy, he said, whenever you go down there to be their pastor, he said, you take charge. Ain't nobody going to give it to you. Ain't nobody going to want to give it to you. You take it. You're going to have to. They're going to hand them reins over that stagecoach. You're going to have to sit in that seat and grab a hold of them. The Lord's going to have to take me and make me his servant. I ain't going to willfully bow. I know it. I won't come to him that I might have life. He has to draw me. He has to make me. And that's a reasonable service for us. If we know him, we know what we are, our sin. We know his righteousness. He's the only one that's holy. We know what he did. The judgment's settled. Whatever he puts in my hand, do so what? It's fine. Well, if I'm just going get ground to powder every day? That's all right. What if everything in this world is going to be taken from me? And I'm going to be alone. I won't have a friend. Hey, hey, What happened to him? Servant's not above his master. He's in truth. He's with me. (laughs) I wasn't with him. He said, I'll never leave you. That old pastor retired. His son was disabled. And he put himself in a nursing home so his wife could take care of his son. And she didn't have to take care of him. And he was bent way over. Couldn't ever straighten up. And the brothers or... uh, Brothers (laughs) Brothers mayhem. <laughs> Henry and Paul went to go visit him. They said, you doing all right? He said, you here by yourself? He said, no, the Lord's with me. I wish I could remember that. To be his servant. Here God describes the wicked. David's a servant. That's who's telling us. That's the attitude David's telling us. He's not haughty. The Lord's using him to write this. Here's God's servant describing the wicked. Verse 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there's no fear of God before his eyes, that one that transgresses, that one that breaks the law willfully, those wicked people, it speaks to my heart. I see this taking place. You do too. Turn the news on. Walk down the street. Or if God's done a work in us, look in the mirror. Is this true if I'm all by myself on a deserted island? God's still true? This one that willfully, it's it's all me. These first four verses of wickedness, it's ever been me. I see it myself. It says to my heart, there's no fear of God before his eyes. That breaking of the law, that transgression, deep down it truly says there's no fear there. When I do that, what I'm saying is there's no fear. I don't fear God. I don't honor him and respect him and what his word is. Or I ain't afraid of him, neither. And in our day, with the countless so-called churches throughout this nation and throughout this world, the way they preach God, no wonder people don't fear him. No wonder they don't fear him. And for those that are better, <laughs> what guts to say something like that? Uh, you might have some fear that you got something more to do. <laughs> they preach fire and brimstone. Now it's up to you. You gotta clean up outside the cup. What kind of? You can't fear something you've never heard of. You go back in time or go to some tribe out in the middle of nowhere and say, uh, "There's Ebola over there on that." Ham sandwich, don't eat it. It's like, what's a bowl? I don't know what that is. How can I be afraid of that? I don't know what that is. People that don't know God ain't afraid of him. They have no respect for him, neither. You can't respect someone you don't know. There was a man convicted of murder of his wife and his son this week. Me and a friend of mine was watching the trial some. That man was not sad throughout the whole thing. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't emotional, kind of confident. He did not fear God. And he didn't fear those that God put over him because he thought he was above the law. He was in there without emotion. His wife was dead. His son was dead, not a tear. And he flattered himself, even in a courtroom. He thought highly of himself. Look at verse two. That wicked one that breaks the transgression, I see it and there's no fear of God before their eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes. He thinks he's something. natural man coming out of the, the loins of Adam we all think we're something and people ought to respect us so me I've done a lot there's some Wikipedia pages out there I'm nothing that's a fool I'm flattering myself Jonathan Edwards had a lot of points I think it was eight but I've picked out a few of them he said they flatter themselves by saying God probably isn't real anyway I've never seen him I'm paraphrasing <laughs> God's probably not real anyway. The fool said there's no God. You know what the fool said? The fool said no God. But there is no God's accurate. Flattering themselves by saying, if there's a hell, it's a long ways off. I got a long time to worry about that. I remember being a teenager and I thought, man, I'll I'll deal with this church stuff when I'm grown. Maybe when I'm 30 or 40, once I settle down. Today's the day of salvation, isn't it? They flatter themselves by saying, I've lived a good moral life. I ain't that bad. God couldn't be that mad at me. Mom ain't. They don't know God. They don't honor him. They don't fear him. They flatter themselves by saying, and I'll read this to you, because they live in a place where the gospel, gospel is powerfully preached among the religious people and where they many have been converted, and they think it will be much easier for them to be saved on that account just because they're in the right church underneath the right preacher. And he says, thus they abuse the grace of God to their destruction. That's so. I struggled with that for years. Do I know God here or do I know God here? That's all I've ever heard in my whole life. And these great and mighty men are just heroes to me. They stayed in my house. I I, I talked to them by their first names. I'm familiar with them and I respect them and I honor them and love them. But is that just like family, friends? Do I just know... Doctrine and five points up here. Do I know a person in my heart? Did I flatter myself? I think my grandfather was a was a saved man because he believed God, not because he believed in a God. He knew God. My my dad was, and and boy, the example he left for me and my mother was well. Surely I got to be right. Shoe in. I flatter myself. Salvation's a one-on-one thing between God and His child. Through the preaching of the gospel. They flatter themselves by thinking they can earn salvation. That's pop dream. You can't debt God to you. And they flatter themselves by assuming they're already converted. i stand up and preach. God, if I don't know you, show me your son today. If I'm yours, show me today. If you've been merciful to me, be merciful to me today. Yesterday ain't going to do. I need grace right now. That man that was convicted—he murdered his wife and son. He was convicted. He flattered himself something all the way up until they put handcuffs on him. And you know what happened? Little whip, lip quiver. <laughs> and I started moistening up. Reality came. Uh oh. He was a lawyer too, so he thought, "Man, I got this. I'm at work right now. That's easy." They put them handcuffs on. Reality hit home. He wasn't flattering himself no more. It says, for he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. Oh, all those things you thought good, that's hateful. God don't like it. He's angry with the wicked every day. won't have it. My pastor as a child told me, he said, hell is truth realized too late. Hell is truth realized too late. Every knee is going to bow. Every single I know it so he's he said it. <laughs> Every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he said, Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. Do I confess him now? As I if I'm his servant as I walk through this life and in my heart, my home, my job, whatever I got doing, do I confess him now? I want to. Do you? I want to see him. And I want to know him, and I want to tell somebody about him. Today, sooner or later, the wicked's going to be exposed. We're going to—they're going to see themselves as they are. They're going to see the progression and the pride and the sin, and that weight is going to be eternally heavy. I couldn't find a better word than heavy. I are just going to, have to bear it. Sin and shame and guilt. What Christ bore for us, that's what they're going to have to bear for eternity. I don't think I'm better than anybody like that. I pity him. I can't handle that. I know I earned it. And he bore it for me. Verse 3 says, The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. Tricking. You ever say something to try to get a different outcome? You ever got called by the homeowner's insurance or whatever, the car insurance, and they said, do you want an extended warranty on your car? I'm like, oh, I sold that car. Why did I tell him I sold the car? I just said no. and I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, that's why. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit, and he hath left off to be wise and to do good. Left off to be wise. Left wisdom. It needs said, and I ain't the one that said it. I'll just tell you what everybody else said. Henry said this. He said, uh, they left good counsel. That was the first step. I've seen that happen. God God sent a preacher to somebody, and they pull them off to the side, and they say, I love you, and I'm telling you what God's word says. And then they'll say, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Brother So-and-so, and I'm going to talk to Brother So-and-so, and I'm going to go talk to Brother So-and-so, and you keep looking for a yes, and if you ain't careful, you'll find one. Somebody told me that one time. They said, you know, I was talking to another guy. You probably don't know him. He said the same thing as you. He says, His name's Gabe Stoniker, and I said, Yeah, I know Gabe well, i known him a long time. He said, There's another fellow, too. What was it? Uh, Clay Curtis? He told me the same thing you said, and I said, That's my pastor. And I said, You got three of us telling you, you may want to hush and listen. <laughs> people leave good counsel. God sent three people telling you something, telling you all the same thing. You say, ah, Well, I ain't gonna do it. It wasn't the men. It was the council that people didn't like, didn't it? Well, what was that council? If they're the Lord's servants, they're just going to tell you what he said. That's what the word says. That's what the scripture says. The text says that. That's what his faithful servants will do. I've heard a few times people say, I don't care what that scripture says. I applaud you for being honest. Instead of deceitful and line, like, well, I'll think about it or I'll go home and consider these things or flatter yourself something else. If I made you mad, that's good. Maybe he's paying attention to me. God might use that to save somebody. That's what the book says. Now, old man, the wicked says, I don't care. I don't care, that's what it says. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. Well, but, what it says, doesn't it? Everything we're told to do, the precepts and everything, if, if, out of a heart of love, if you don't want to give, well, only don't give, that's fine. Or give as the Lord has increased you that week. It'll do you good on it, whatever it is. But those people that reject good counsel and those people that reject the written word, they're not really rejecting the man. They're not really rejecting the counsel and they're not really rejecting the word, though you can't separate God and his word. They've left wisdom. They've left Christ, who is our wisdom. They're rejecting Christ. They're saying, no, God. No, God, that's... I've read things, and I was like, man, I know, I know what the book says. And then willfully sin anyway. I'm a wretch. I'm a worm. Are you? We ain't verse five yet. It's coming. I've heard a lot of excuses for leaving the assembly of the saints. I mean a bunch. Over the years, over 43 years, I've heard a lot. I've seen a lot, heard a lot from a lot of people that live longer than I have. Do you know which one was a good one? My pastor told me at one time. He said, I've preached here 10 years. He says it's 52 weeks a year, 520. He said, if you missed every Thursday evening, he says, 520 messages you'd have missed. You think God might have blessed you for one of those? And I hadn't missed it. Maybe one or two, but I sunk. <laughs> oh, man, that's me. That's me. God's got to keep me or I wouldn't come. What was more important? Was me working on an ice machine or, or a, a, a file cabinet for chicken? Was that more important than, than being where God said he's going to be with his people? Was there is there an excuse that's good enough? There ain't. Is I've heard a lot of excuses. There ain't one of them that's good. Verse 4 says, He deviseth mischief upon his bed. I got to tell you what this says. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He, not, he abhorreth not evil. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. What's God say? Let not the sun go down on your anger. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. The wicked devise mischief on their bed stay up late at night stewing on it, planning, loosely, guilty. I'm guilty. I plan for arguments that never take place. You ought to hear me cut grass inside of my head. Next time that guy calls me, I'm going to say this, or I'm not paying that in my insurance no more. I don't need a tow truck or whatever. It don't make a difference. Or or have you ever planned? Maybe it's just me. I'm just talking out loud. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't care. Lord gave me a new one. <laughs> that old one's gonna burn up. Have you ever made plans for an argument that happened years ago? I know a guy's still mad over something happened was, we was talking about that fifteen years ago. He's like, Man, I should have told him this. <laughs> a little late now. Guilty. Guilty. I devised mischief upon my bed. He setteth himself in a way that's not good. There's a way that seems right unto man, but we've left off to be wise. We don't care about wisdom. We think we're smart. He abhorreth not evil. Well, the ends justify the means. God's got a means. That needs said. Has been needing said and still needs said in this nation. God's got a means. He uses things. But do we say, well, the means don't matter. Just get it done. Get him in there by hook or crook. It don't matter. Tell him a little bit of false gospel to get him in and then tell him the true gospel. Mm-mm, ain't gonna work. The evil, they don't abhor, or the, the wicked, they don't abhor evil. That's the wicked. That's this old man. That's the, that's the man of God's hand took off of him that's standing right in front of you right now. Lord leaves me alone. And then two words come to mind, but God. That's what I am. I'm guilty. But God, who's rich in mercy. Look here at verse five. Thy mercy, O Lord. David turns on a dime, don't he? He turns on a period. (laughs) He says a sentence. Do you? I ain't gonna make it. There's mercy. Our pure mind stirred up quick. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. How high is the heavens? You got a tape line? Tape measure? How much do you need? Well, that's a better question. How much mercy do you need? Well, if you're going to get it from him, his mercy is high as the heavens. And thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. I thought about that a lot this week. Well, I ain't in the clouds. I was driving through them when I was thinking about it. I was up the, I to get on top of a mountain. Be on Mount Zion, huh? His clouds are the dust of his feet. What's that mean? His providence. Him walking as the Lord goes. He's faithful. Everything that's happened to me. How in the world could that be good? How could uh, Lot's uh, incestuous relationship with his daughter be good? It wasn't. It was wrong. Clean wrong. Flat wrong. Unexcusable. But the them clouds, as the Lord walks through that, well, that's how we ended up. Getting our Lord out of that, wouldn't it? How is that possible? All right, well, his feet's magnificent. His faithfulness in the clouds is magnificent. His providence is unmatched. And then I thought, too, that cloud. What else is in that cloud? I can't get to that cloud. There's something in that cloud. Christ the rainbow set in the clouds, did not it? Them dark clouds hanging over me. Then I see a rainbow. And the Lord says, When I see my bow. When I see my Christ, he sees us in him. Is that mercy enough for you? I turn your frown upside down? Verse 6 says, thy righteousness is like the great mountains. That means it's huge. <laughs> heaps, heaps of it. Thy judgments are a great deep. Those judgments, that's not only what we, we think of bad things. Oh, the Lord's going to judge this place and judge the Lord's judgments. The Lord's judgments are his word. It's a two-edged sword. It'll condemn the one and uphold the other. And he shall judge the quick and the dead. That's what the scripture said, isn't it? His word is the declaration of what is. If he said, rain, be thou on the earth, it rains, doesn't it? That's his judgment. He said so. He says, "Live." These dry bones live. Whatever he says, whatever's happened. If he said, "This is what I did," that's what was done. If he said, "This is what I'm doing," that's what's being take, taking place, transpiring. And if he said, "This is what shall happen," that's what's going to happen. That's his judgments. They're deep. They're, do you know what he's doing? I have no idea what he's doing. Do you know if there's mitochondria in each side of the every one of your cells right now, just making the energy and. ATP production, all, all that stuff underneath microscopes man ain't never seen. God does. He's judging every bit of that. That's deep. Do we get fascinated and try to start painting murals about junk like that? No, you bow to him. You can't lick a sense at all. Bow to God. That's who he is. And he's kind. He's righteous. His righteousness is great as the mountains. His judgment's or a great deep, we can't fat, we can't swim that low. We can-, we can get wet, we can't swim that low. You can't go down that far. O Lord, Thou preservest man and beast. I I look at, it, I think I'm my brethren because it's so. I'm a chief of sinners, and and whoever the Lord saved, that's the men and the women that He saved, and I'm the beast. I know that, but there's something more precious there too. O Lord, thou that preserveth man and beast, you know, whenever the Lord spoke to Jonah, he said, "Shouldn't I not have spared Nineveh?" Jonah was mad about it. He was he was upset. I keep faithing me. He was mad. The Lord saved a whole city. I mean, a great most was 126,000 just children that didn't know their right, right hand from their left hand. He said, should I not spare enemy of that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons which can't discern between their right hand and their left hand? Should I not have saved those people? Can't I do it my own as I will, Jonah? And he says, and much cattle also. Question mark. That's the last punctuation in the books of Jonah. What's the answer to that question? Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. <laughs> All right, the whole thing. He told everything he did wrong, didn't he? He confessed, didn't he? Well, why did the Lord say, and much cattle? Is he going to run out of cattle? And he just, he, A cattle on a thousand hills is his. Maybe he's in a, is he, in a, is he a cattleman? Is he in the cattle business? He's going to lose money? No. His people need them cattle, don't they? He looks on those cattle. He's mindful of the cattle. How many cows are in the state of California? I don't know. He does. There he is. <laughs> he's mindful of a cow. What about, what about birds? How many birds are in this county? My cat brought me a bluebird the other day in pieces, and then the next day I saw it and I was like, did he put that thing back together? That was another bluebird. And cats, vicious little things, man. Decimating bird populations. Well, whose birds are and whose cat is it? It's the Lord's. He takes care of those birds, and they got enough sense to cry out, thank him. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? Walk out as far as you can in the middle of the woods and you find a dead bird. God put it there. It fell because the Lord let it. He's mindful of man and beast. Why? We need we need birds. We need to, he he sees fit to have them. So I can tell you about hummingbirds sometimes. They just amaze me. <laughs> but the very hair of your head's all numbered. That's to prove to us. I believe him. I believe there ain't a sparrow that falls on this earth, there ain't a bird that moves that the Lord don't take care of. And then he says immediately, Your hair on your head's numbered. I own you, you're mine. Verse 7 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Isn't that amazing? He's numbered your hairs. Your loving kindness, excellent. It's excellent. If we could have had better words to say something more grandiose, we'd say it. You have excellent loving kindness. O God. That's who he's praying to. Who was it? Remember last hour? Who was. Who was Jacob calling out to? Oh, God. Oh, God. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O oh God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Your children, we put our trust under the shadow of your wings. Lord said, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. You rejected all the wise. You threw out all those. He's talking to physical Jerusalem. You threw out all the wise counsel because they told you what God said and you won't have it. You won't have a span ran over He said, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings and ye would not. Man can't accuse God for not being gracious. If we're his brood, if we're his hens, I got 14 chickens just hatched up the house this week. <laughs> Little tiny things. They come out of that egg. We let them dry off. I pick them up and go put them in a the brooder. That's my chicken. I didn't go grab your chickens and move them. They're my chicken. If we're his, if he's gave us life, we're going to run underneath those wings. I don't have to train them chickens up how to, how to drink water. I do have to train them chickens up how to get underneath their mama. They do it. It's instinct. It's what God put in them. If you're his little chicken, you're going to run underneath his wings. That's so. That's what he's put in you. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Christ is going to be your shield and buckler, that alligator skin. So rough on the outside and durable, so soft on the inside. I thought two of those cherubims over the mercy seat had six wings, didn't they? Two they covered the face, two they covered the feet, two they flew with. They cried, holy, holy, holy. Well, there was a statue of those over that mercy seat, one on each side facing the middle. Those wings stretched out over at Mercy Seat. In the shadow of his knowledge and his understanding and his power and his purpose and his, his predeterminate counsel before time, God purposed to put us in Christ. And it pleased him to bruise him. Figure that one out. To make us his people. So those cherubim spread out their wings on high and covered their wings over the mercy seat and their faces one to another. I want to be in that mercy seat. I want to be under his wings, don't you? Verse eight says, and they they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house and thou shalt make them drink of the rivers of thy pleasure. Be satisfied with fatness. Lord said, there shall be meat in my house. He's going to put it there. Savory things, good things, isn't it? That's where he'll meet with us. And shall make them drink of the river of thy pleasure. He leadeth us to decide to steal waters. He's the only one who can make anything drink. I, I thats a, I always said that. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But you can drown one, too. <laughs> make people go to church and drown them in religion. They don't want to drink no more. The Lord can make his people drink. He's amazing. For with thee is the fountain of life. And in thy light shall we see light. The way we're going to understand anything, of his providence, of his salvation, of his will to come, anything. Any light we're going to have, it's going to be in his light, in the light of Christ. With that eye to see, and he says, Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee." Do you does God work in somebody and call them, say, "Follow me," <laughs> and draw them near? I keep beating this up, Donna. I? I gotta say it, and and bring them together, and they hear this gospel and they rejoice, and we sang together with one voice, and then they, well, I got check, see you in glory, Lord, I'm out. <laughs> Going on vacation, moving to what? No, I want to, I know him. I want to know him more. I rejoice in him. I want to continue to rejoice. I know of his loving kindness. Now, do you tell me a little bit more about that loving kindness? Unto them that know thee, they don't know him. Take it or leave it. And thy righteousness to the upright in heart. David said that, judge me, O Lord, in your righteousness. How in the world could he say that? Because if I'm upright in heart, it's your righteousness that did it. I stand on your life, on your merit, and everything you did, and your decisions, and your will, and everything. Continue to tell me that. Thy righteousness to the upright in heart. And he says in closing, let not the foot of pride come against me. We have spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our head, isn't it? Thoughts of man's evil. Only evil continually. Our heart is up high, isn't it? But well, what about the foot? I don't have a proud foot. I stood on that all week. The foot's the way we get from place to place, isn't it? Don't let me have pride in my walk. Don't let me have pride in the way that you've set me on, Lord. If i the Lord uses me to preach and and 50,000 people saved and don't let me think I did it. Don't let that your providence make me make pride out of your providence. That's what it means. That foundation. Or how my means to go. But it's also the foundation, isn't it? The root of everything's pride. That's that's what we think that we know better than God. And we think we do better and we I ought to get praised or whatever it is. But that's the first thing. Everything else stems from that. The Lord said six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. First thing, proud look. Me, I, you know what I did. (laughs) Lord, keep my foot from pride coming up against me. And let not the hand of the wicked remove me. Lord, you have to protect me from my enemies. Satan desired to sift Peter like wheat did. He He was wanting Job. He said, "I can't get him. You got to hedge about him. Let me get a hold of him. I'll turn him from you." There's a wicked one wanting to remove me. That's that's the division that the Lord allows to take place in His churches. is, is, Is for division to come in and separation and dividing and pulling apart, isn't it? Don't let me be removed. If it were possible, even the very elect, would be led away, wouldn't they? I know it ain't possible. Lord, don't let that be me. Don't let me take that for. Don't let me be uh, flaunting myself and thinking so highly of myself that I just assume, "Well, I got to be God's child." I made a call on you today. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. That's where it is: pride and wickedness. The workers of iniquity are fallen there and they are cast down and shall not be able to rise. It ends with that. There's such wonderful things in the Lord's faithfulness and his loving kindness and we know those things but we don't take it for granted, do we? I do. I take it for granted too much but he's quick to remind us not to. Um, Keep me looking to you, Lord. Allow me to never forget what I am until I leave this body of death. And that way I, I cry to you for forgiveness and salvation and, and and I see that there's nothing good in this flesh and the only hope I have is the merit of another. The only life that can be lived that's acceptable isn't mine, it's his. And I have to be one with him. Make that so, Lord. That's a song. Did you know that? I wonder what that sound like if it was in a native. David wrote all these things he said, to the chief musician. How you put that to notes? He said, "Figure it out." <laughs> he played too, didn't he? We sang those things. That's a song in the heart. It was. I hope this cow patty's dry enough. Uh, years ago, somebody said, "Well, we can't have worship because we ain't singing songs." You hear about his love and kindness? Didn't you just sing in your heart? No, it's got to be auditory. Well, I hope God cut your tongue out. Can't worship God no more. That singing's in the heart. All right, brother Mike.